Welcome to episode 7 of the Tales and Tunes podcast. We got another Denver local in the house this week, Love Vinyl Records store owner and operator Seth Nichols. But as every week, let's kick things off with B-Tsunami's number one track pick of the week. This week's track is actually the opening track of a new studio mix of mine that I will be releasing later this week as well, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. The track is entitled El Slizo by the female duo Blondish. It was released back in November of last year on Rebirth Records, along with their other track, Wizard of Love. So strap in, folks, and enjoy Episode 7 of the Tales and Tunes Podcast.
welcome once again to the Tales and Tunes podcast, everybody. If you've listened to episode 5 with Kevin Callison, we talked about this week's guest quite a bit as they both are originally from Ohio, and they co-host the Thursday weekly Techno House Night at Milk Bar in downtown Denver uh, called The Underground. He has been DJing for over 16 years and owns a very successful online record store that operates from right out of his basement. So, without further ado, I welcome Seth Nichols to the podcast. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Seth. Thanks for being here, buddy, and uh, happy early birthday. Thank you. Uh, your birthday's on Friday? Uh, it'll be, yeah, Friday. Friday. And uh, how old will you be? 35. 35. Moving on up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any exciting planning plans for your B-Day? Um, just uh, going to do our Thursday night and uh, doing that with uh, our residents, and then... This weekend, probably just going to hang out with some friends and, you know, do the thing. Cool. Uh, how's 2015 been treating you so far? Uh, it's been great. Been uh, a whole new level of business with the store has kept me more than busy. So it's pretty much all my free time right now is with the record store, but it's it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just so you guys uh, know, we're, we're recording this over at Seth's house, which is... His where his store is his basement has three rooms with over twenty thousand records here, so <laughs> it's a lot of friggin' weight. <laughs> Did you have, do you build all those? Yeah, those, the, all, all those all the shelves for those. Kind of build them as I go as the stock grew. <laughs> cool, cool. I do want to mention though uh, today is also uh, what is it February the eighteenth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eighteenth. It's uh, Ash Wednesday for you Christians out there. Um, I was raised Catholic, and I am no by mean by any means Catholic anymore. But uh, the one thing that I do take from it every year is, uh, or I did, I still practice from it is uh, Lent, which is forty days starting today, and you give something, give shit up until uh, Easter, which is I think like the end of March or whatever. It's forty days from now, mm-hmm. and this year I'm I'm being bold and I'm fucking giving up. I'm going completely sober, no no drinking, no smoke. Well, uh, my brothers are coming here this weekend for a ski trip, one day at Winter Park, one day at Copper, and one day at uh, Vale. So I'll definitely be drinking with my brothers <laughs> up, and maybe if they want to try a little Special edible, occasion. Gotta, yeah, yeah, gotta flex. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> already, already have a cheat weekend, but uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on that as the podcasts come in and try and try and stay sober. <laughs> <laughs> Wish me luck. <laughs> All right, but anyways, guys, uh, we'll get to Seth here. Uh, it was as I was saying, he's originally from Ohio. Um, so is that where you were born and and raised, or is that where your childhood went? Mm-hmm. Down in uh, Fairfield, it's north of Cincinnati. Right on. So uh, growing up in Ohio, what uh, what were your hobbies growing up or your interests? Uh, it's definitely a definitely a jock, but very into music, and you know that was definitely my biggest passion. But Grew up playing baseball and football into high school and into college too. So. Co- college football? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, dude, cool. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Wittenberg. Me and Kevin played football together. Oh yeah, that's right. He mm-hmm. he talked about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. To, Team players. To imagine you guys in pads is <laughs> fucking funny. And another 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how how was high school for you? Uh, I mean, I guess we were just talking about it, but you were into sports, or mm-hmm. did you play instruments? Did you do the band thing? Or no, no, I tried the trumpet fifth grade. I think I did, but yeah. otherwise, I 
No, they just did music on my own as a closet dancer for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of style? Are you? As far as what? Like, like liquid or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like yeah, liquid and pop and lock and all that. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah, dude. <laughs> so what what kind of music were you into then at that time? Um, growing up early was into like, you know, all the mainstream stuff. But then around like 91, 92, started hearing like some kind of like dancey pop stuff on the radio and started to go actually kind of got into some of the dance like euro dance stuff in like 92 93 okay so but then you know i was still into like you know vanilla ice and i mean you know, all the classics at that time how could you not right before <laughs> you look back and now crystal but... method come around you know 96 mm-hmm. 97 so. cool so what were like some of your favorite bands then or um, well, do you fans, have a, do you have fans a... would be like Pink Floyd and, you know, all the psychedelic rock from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's my main influence. That's what my dad was into a lot. And, yeah. Um, Soaked it up. Yeah. And then some of the like folky pop too, like, you know, some mm-hmm. of that, like uh, Linda Ronstadt and all that my mom was into. So when did uh, you kind of discover electronic music then? Yeah. Around 92 or 93. <clears throat> um, me and my buddy we actually opened the record store together. We would slumber at each other's houses and we listened to this late night radio station. Uh, this is 97X. It's actually mentioned on this movie, uh, Rain Man. Ever, oh, it is? Yeah, it's mentioned on there. He he says it over and over, like, 97X, bam, the future of rock and roll. But they would do this late night radio show on Saturdays and uh, it was called 97 Extra Beats. And we'd hear all, like, this first you know first like prodigy and chemical brothers and like all the real like like prodigy experience stuff you know like the old charlie and uh are you experienced all that stuff um Mm. and like old orbital stuff so like we would hear that stuff on there and we would just be totally like blown away just really intrigued by it and we actually went out and started digging around for cds at best buy and whatnot and started just buying random electronic cds and just listening to stuff yeah so so that's like 92 93 mm-hmm. then okay yeah it was like oh. 12 or 13 years old then 12 or 13 mm-hmm. okay when was your first party or what what influenced you to like go to a party or i mean i guess that's you're really young kinda, at that age yeah so. i didn't i didn't go to a party at all like me and i'm listening to that all the time but we were like the only people in our whole high school that even listened to it yeah or so we thought you know like if there were they didn't really but yeah we were you know didn't really go to a party until college. It was 99, uh, the summer of uh, 99, after my freshman year of college, started to seek out some parties and started going to them that year. And I was, like, blown away to f- see other people and, like, find a whole culture that was, like, listening to this music that, you know, yeah, felt like an alien. Like in America, even. Yeah, it's like, right? this is going on. Yeah, so <laughs> it was, like, instant, instant love once I found that. So, yeah. Cool. So what was that? party called then or the first uh the do you first, remember first rave i went to was called missing link actually <laughs> missing link yeah and it was perfect it was the missing link where but was that it was in dayton ohio dayton mm-hmm. and how many people it was probably around 600 people or so like a warehouse or... mm-hmm. big warehouse two room event actually the first music i heard coming in was uh drum and bass which i had heard a little bit of prior to that but not much i think only i'd heard like goldie's uh cd prior to that as far as drum and bass maybe some faux tech but yeah mm-hmm. so it was pretty cool 
what other music was there then? Or do you remember, were there any other, like, were there any headliners or was it all yeah, kind of local there was, boys? Or can't remember, like, the drum and bass guys was Kid Entropy and 3D, which they're pretty big uh, Chicago drum and bass mm-hmm. guys. But otherwise, I don't remember who else was on the bill. It actually kind of ended abruptly because, because of some one idiot acting a fool about, you know, kind of did some stupid stuff and... Here come ambulances and everything got shut down. So oh, shit. I think it was about, yeah, it was maybe two o'clock in the morning by that time. Oh, but. man. <laughs> <laughs> this one is getting good. Right? It was just warming up. Yeah. So what it, what inspired you to DJ then? Get that did, really, just going to parties and seeing the whole scene and just, you know, wanting to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. always, I mean, music had always been like a big passion and then seeing a way that I could you know play music that i feel and you know play it for people you know yeah yeah put it in a put it together in a special way it was very exciting to me definitely and at this point were you were you already collecting vinyl like through the 90s or was no didn't really start collecting vinyl until i started djing like Mm -hmm. went through you know started with cassettes collect collecting cassettes and then started collecting cds and whatnot but Never thought I'd be like a vinyl junkie you know, <laughs> until until later. Yeah. <laughs> so how long after that first party did you uh, uh, like pre- like get your first setup or? Um. See, so went to that. It was the summer of '99, and then I got my tables in the December of '99. December. Yeah. Okay. And I actually got them off. It was at college, and it was another. Uh, this other DJ on on campus, he was just getting rid of some stuff and just ended up getting the turntables right off another student. Oh, school. really? Mm-hmm. Where the... Started with some Gemini's and uh, I think it was a Newmark mixer. So, yeah. yeah. You get a good deal on that then? Yeah, it was all right, you know, yeah, to start yeah. out with and it was, yeah, it was an all an uphill battle from that point. But mm-hmm. <laughs> So what kind of music was it? Uh, or did you play when you started? Kind of started with collecting drum and bass and trance was my first two two things and then you know kind of that's what we started collecting then it kind of went went to the straight kind of over to trance drum and bass was there but it wasn't like what i was gonna do i didn't think because kind of had to pick a direction and then from there went to progressive and the tech house and yeah Mm -hmm. the whole progression of that so Totally. Well, so yeah, what was the scene like when you got into Ohio? I mean, like you're saying in Dayton, mm-hmm. uh, did you go to parties in Cincinnati or mm-hmm. there was Cincinnati and then there was Columbus parties in Dayton, Cleveland. And then we actually went to Indianapolis for a couple. And that's when that's kind of what inspired us to be like, Hey, maybe we should open the record store in Indianapolis. Cause we felt like the scene there was pretty big and it was, there was a lot of people into it there. All the whole the whole Midwest scene was you know you'd see regulars at all those different mm-hmm. cities you know kind of the travelers but yeah but yeah I mean it was it was a pretty good scene and around that time it was definitely on the up and coming and I I would even see people from high school at that party as of like what can't believe you're here you know just like <laughs> just blew yeah. my mind I've I've had that now actually there's actually uh, DJs in Iowa now that were like two grades younger than my brother like and just little you know mm-hmm. i remember him being like these little freaking seventh graders <laughs> when i was like in high school you know and yeah. like, now they're like in, totally in the scene and, and DJing. stuff yeah <laughs> shout out to patrick blinn <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah, before you made the move to Indianapolis, did you throw shows, or were you playing shows in Ohio? Or uh, Yeah, started playing some shows, played some shows at Kyle, at, at our campus, um, played some things around, uh, some three-day festivals, there was a couple, like, outdoor festivals they played, um, so, yeah, I was playing, a, you know, random one-offs here and there, gotcha. so, yeah, definitely was playing a bit, but then... Once we went to Indianapolis, we definitely started throwing some shows more so there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so you made the move to Ohio. How long were you into electronic music before you made that? How many? I guess how long was that span from 99 until? I uh, moved to Indianapolis in 2001. Okay. Or like the beginning. It's like a couple of years. Yeah, or beginning of 2000, roughly. It's so That's such a weird... Those years are kind of weird to me, but yeah, it was... Because we actually moved yeah. to Columbus for a, for for like three weeks. Oh, just really? Yeah, we were going to go to Columbus, Ohio, and then this place just didn't work out. It was like all kinds of stuff didn't wasn't working out, and we got this place with a basement, and it was attached to other places, but we thought the basement had like was kind of sealed off, and it would be you know kind of a place to, to play music. Loud, and yeah. Found out the music just traveled four units down. <laughs> Every it was like a total wash on that plan. And then uh, my buddy, he got a call from his grandpa that said, because we wanted to go to Indianapolis too, but we just couldn't find a place. We'd actually went out there and looked. And uh, he said he had a cousin, a third cousin in Indianapolis that was looking for two roommates. It was just like the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and so we picked up, you know, after we had just got done moving from Springfield to Columbus, we picked everything up and moved to Indianapolis after like three weeks. Uh, change of plans. Yeah. So that was, I think, like February or something, 2000. How far is Indianapolis from where you were from then? Uh, from, or, uh, I guess from Cincinnati, it's like an hour and 20 minutes, hour uh, and a half. That's not far at all. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, it's all kind of remote. Definitely. So you moved to Indianapolis with the intention of starting the record store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Uh, what? I mean, really motivated you in the beginning to do it? I mean, I mean, kind of mentioned, but I mean, well, we just kind of basically we started buying records, and the way we were buying was we would just buy lots off eBay because we would just like, you know, we knew what style of music we liked, but we didn't necessarily know a lot of artists, so we just started buying these random packs of records of you know trance or whatever. We go through them and pick out the ones we wanted, and then we turn around and be like, "Yeah, we might as well put them back up on eBay and just resell them." And you know, it, actually, some of them ended up turning out to be a profit. I don't know why. It's like <laughs> just the way we listed it or whatever. But they would sell for a little bit more, and so we're like, "Oh, we're making a little bit of profit here." And then we just kind of started doing that, buying collections and whatnot, and then that progressed. And we would think we were in Indianapolis for about eight months working at like a telemarketing kind of thing uh, and then we opened the store after that yeah so it kind of just started out as just like reselling on ebay like mm-hmm. yeah. and then you're just kind of like well we should yeah it was profiting and we're like we like you know and it's a good way for us to collect records too mm-hmm. so it was like all kind of worked together yeah. how long after that did you start like the did you make the name or was that just kind of your Love Vinyl Records is what it's called? Uh, well, we were called Evolving Records then. Wait, you were called Evolving mm-hmm. Records then? Yeah. Okay. And then I changed the name once I, once we split and I took it over. I changed the name because um, Evolving Records was kind of geared towards mainly just electronic music because we felt, you know, electronic music is evolving music, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we, that's why we called it that. But I changed it to Love Vinyl just to make it more of an all-inclusive name. 
from yeah. like all styles of music. Just if it's on vinyl, it's you know, it's what yeah, it is. totally. So, did you envision having like a store front, like an actual store mm-hmm. where people come, or did you have an actual store? Yeah, for six years we had a storefront. Oh, in mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it was on a little main street. Um, like not downtown Indianapolis, but this little suburb city. But they had their little main street and with their post office and their flower shops and whatnot. And and we were this this weird all electronic vinyl store in the middle of this <laughs> little t- little city. It was funny. Like all the skater kids were they were totally intrigued by us. They yeah. would come and bug the shit out of us all the time. Cool. <laughs> and so it was just vinyl, or I mean, it was I'm, all I'm, yeah, all vinyl, all electronic, all electronic. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there were people. Years? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And there was people that would travel, like, two or three hours just to come, you know, dig through that. Because it was, you know, it was pretty cool stock of electronic. You would have to go to Chicago to find another store like that mm-hmm. that was doing that. Kind yeah, of that's cool. We didn't, I think they had something like that in Iowa, but, like, before my time. Mm-hmm. So, what was the the music scene like there? Was it? It was good, you know. It was better than Ohio or kind of the same? It was pretty comparable. I think, you know, we were... There was a couple of big parties we saw in Indy, and they weren't necessarily what was always going on, but it was still, it was a good scene, and there's a lot of people, you know, there's a good little underground scene for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, like, good club venues, there really wasn't much of that. There were some decent clubs, but wasn't anything, because once it started transitioning into clubs, you know, then it was, then it's on the clubs, and they just weren't there. And yeah, the management yeah. and all that, so. Yeah, I do you ever go back and play shows there? Or, uh, I, mean, I went back anywhere? for New Year's, not this past, but the year before. Played there for New Year's, and you still got homies throwing shows there mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Definitely. So okay, so yeah, how long were you in Ohio then? I mean, not Ohio. Indiana. How long? How long were you in Indiana? Uh, from two thousand to two thousand nine, or ten, till ten. Yeah, so like ten years roughly. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like the first four years, six years, we had the store. Oh, the first six you had the store. Until 2006, and then it shut down the summer of 2006, and then went online, and then uh, just ran it out of my house in Indy for, for those years until I came here. Okay. Well, yeah, that segue is good. When, so when did you make the move to Colorado? It was 2009? 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. And what, why Colorado? I love mountains, I love hiking, and I just felt like the music scene here was really good. I already had friends here. Yeah, was was just, Kevin here already? Kevin was here. He'd been here for three years already. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he was two years before you. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what was the transition like for you moving out here? It wasn't bad, you know, with having having something like this that, you know, makes solidifies you as like a a figure in this in this music and all that. And then I started a radio show when I was here. I actually had a radio show going in Indy. And then I kept it going when I got here. And that was a really good way for me to meet a lot of DJs and get connected with people real quick. Mm-hmm. So that was a big catalyst for that. So I'd say that was a good good part of it. And, you know, just it was, wasn't hard to get immersed into the scene here and meet a lot of people. And yeah, it's not. A lot of nice people. It is a melting pot here. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. And, you know, so many people are on the same same kind of story. They all come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was the music or the electronic scene like here when you got here? It was booming, yeah. It's definitely there's a lot of stuff going on. I loved going and checking out the full moon parties and Gemini and all the mountain parties and and just I was blown away by some of the underground parties that I saw when I first came here. Um, 
like the Paco Suna I went to at uh, uh, Theory and Practice, and then then that one doubleheader weekend uh, with uh, the Ben Clock and Devious Swan and the Michael Stravastrand the night before. I was just like, wow, this is this is pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, how did it how did it affect your DJing style or influence it? It's or? influenced it, but at the same time, I felt like what I was doing was our kind of a little bit original. What was going on here? I mean, people were doing similar things, but I felt like I had a little bit of something different. Just coming from somewhere else, you know, you have different influences, and yeah, I mean, there be there's labels and stuff that I feel like you know, record stores can really tailor a city especially back then you know mm-hmm. initially you know the way it was all brought up the record store whatever they brought into the city was really what kind of mm-hmm. was fed I mean, before of. like the internet before and, internet yeah, was so yeah. prevalent and you could find what you want you would just go to the store and dig out what you could find you know mm-hmm. and that you know that's I feel like an in indie kind of with the record store we created a little bit of the sound that was there just like the stores that were here probably created some of the sound mm-hmm. and all that so cool how did you get involved with the scene as early starting on? I mean, here. Or yeah, yeah, like just just going to shows and meeting people and having people on my show here was like a good way and just like meeting people and getting connected and mm-hmm. just kind of started small and kind of picked up from there. How did the how did your business change once it was out here or the the record company or store? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's. It's been it was a good point in time when I came out here. Like it's kind of been a turning point for for vinyl. Like on a commercial level, it's been on the up and up for a while. But for DJs and all that, it kind of you know went through its its digital and you know invasion period, and then now it's kind of all, all together. And vinyls, you know, and, and vinyl and digital are all kind of counterparts in the whole thing now. Not like one squashing out the other, or vice yeah. versa. So it's like. It's definitely come around, and I'm, I'm just working a lot more. I know that, which that means I'm just doing a lot more business. Mm-hmm. So, are you? Is that your only job then? Mm-hmm. Is just yeah. run the store? Oh, is that yeah. has that had how it's been since you've been out here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's all I've done ever since. That's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than enough. <laughs> awesome. I mean, <laughs> it's me it's a lot of work too. It's I'm, a lot I'm of work. sure. Yeah. How how much do you uh, like a typical week? Do you how much? Uh, yeah, what's a typical work week consist of for you? Like. Um, well, I'm either, I'm either processing shipments or I'm listing records, which I have, you know, I have thousands of records that aren't even listed online yet. They're just here. Um, but it's a process to get them all up there. Um, either listing, processing, or, um, corresponding or boxing. Mm-hmm. But I've got a couple of buddies that help me with boxing. My girlfriend actually helps me with some listing sometimes and that. So it's like little bits here and there. I'm. I could easily hire someone full time. I'm getting to the point where I'm about ready to get someone that's just can do kind of everything and just kind of put put them where I where I need them because it's holding back the progression. Yeah, because I could do a lot more imagine. stuff. I could focus on other things if I wasn't keeping up with all the processing of shipments and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How many? So how many records do you like sell a week, or does it? It up varies, and down? Yeah. but I would ballpark around. Maybe four to five hundred, maybe five records a week. Mm-hmm. And how many of the, how many of those are individual orders? Um, well, usually people, you know, there are a lot of people order just one record, but some are like three records. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of three records, four records, and then there's randoms 
once in a while it'll be like 30 records or 50 records Mm -hmm. but it varies you know and it's 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 but it's been like i'd say my best month ever was probably like last last september or august Mm -hmm. and every month since then has been better than last so it's cool. just keeps going up. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Good to hear. Uh, what what mediums do you sell online then? Or I mean, do you, you do eBay still? Mm-hmm. eBay and, then... and Discogs. Discogs and eBay are my main thing. Mm-hmm. I have a website, but people just people get so used to their their you know what they what they buy through all the time. Yeah, yeah. They like the safety, I think, of you know buying through eBay, and they got their feedback and. They feel more protected, so yeah. As much as I could even list things a little cheaper on my website, and they'll still buy it off of one of those sites. Yeah, but cool. What uh, what challenges have you run into with the business? Um, just just keeping up right now. A lot of times with uh, shipping and stuff, you really have to be careful with boxing, like the way you box things and the way you pad it is so important, and it's become even more important, I think, as e-commerce as a whole is be become such a big thing yeah you know more packages all meshing with each other and bumping into each other and yeah and i mean i've just probably the main thing is just protecting records and their shipping and so they arrive undamaged Mm because people are really some people are really picky about that stuff which is understandable it's a collector's item yeah yeah (laughs) any crazy records that have come through that are like what's the most you've sold one for have you like um yeah, there is. I mean, there's crazy stuff. Like, I always like going Goodwill digging, too, because, I mean, you dig through a lot of trash, but sometimes you find some treasures in there. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Like, I think one time, not too long ago, I found this this weird kind of Latin pop record and I looked it up, and I I might have even undersold it. I don't know, but it ended up selling for, like, $300. Oh, shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> you just never know. I mean someone else they would have just looked right past it but. yeah <laughs> what's so what's the main way you get your music now through distributors through distributors yeah i like to see all those those just came in today those are all today's shipments over those there. boxes those five oh, okay. boxes yeah so yeah i mean i'm getting i'm getting shipments every day my ups ups comes here like every day yeah pretty much <laughs> ups and fedex so uh do you order like you just order lots or no it... i'm ordering these are all new records you just use order specific records mm-hmm. now then yeah i'm picking all yeah it's all new i mean i sell some used stuff and that's you know but used stuff doesn't sell nearly as fast and it's a lot more work because you know with a new record you can hopefully stock five to ten copies if, if it's sellable you know mm-hmm. but with a used record you got one copy you spend all that time listing it you know and then it sells and that's it yeah you got that one turnover mm-hmm. it's just a lot more yeah, and that's where it's kind of gone. Like I've definitely worked my way up with the used stuff, and like you make a higher profit margin on used stuff, but you sell it slower to sell, and it's a lot more work. Mm-hmm. So, but now it's like the, the shelves have transitioned from used to new. It's like all like new stock at replacing the used stuff now. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm I deal with about nine or ten different distributors that that I deal with on a weekly basis. Yeah. And those packages aren't free and light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Uh, how, how have you benefited from the business? I mean, besides, you know, working for yourself and working mm-hmm. out of your basement, I mean, that's fucking awesome. But, I mean, mm-hmm. things that have come to fruition through that, is there anything you can think of? Um, well, I mean, it, 
it seemed like I had a lot more freedom, but now I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be able to set my schedule, but now it's kind of setting setting it for me. But it's a good point. It's just where to the point where I need to expand and I need to get some more people involved mm -hmm. so that I can spread the work out a little bit. But um, you hear yeah. that? Any vinyl junkies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's and I'd say one of the biggest benefits is probably my my collection and the music I DJ with because mm -hmm. I'm able to just I'm able to go through so much music, you know, and find yeah. you know find the stuff I really want and I get exposed to just a lot of different music. That's probably one of the biggest benefits. And even now, it's like there's a lot of stuff. It's just crazy how much obscure, uh, like old '60s, '70s psychedelic rock these weird old garage bands they only did you know back in the day they probably pressed 200 copies of their record now mm -hmm. they're getting sought out because they did this crazy psychedelic style that people just love now mm -hmm. but back then they it was all over their head and yeah. nobody nobody <laughs> want, like wanted to listen to it but yeah that, that stuff's coming around like crazy it's really interesting mm -hmm. i know one thing uh Robag of the wiganami brothers was here playing at beta yeah uh, couple like a month ago or like like end of january but uh yeah he came over here yeah he came over he was digging through some records that was definitely a special moment for sure <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he actually bought shit too he bought he? some stuff yeah he uh he found a few things in here he actually picked up see that that one's there's for french mm -hmm. he picked up one that was for german like this living german box set and it's got this woman speaking german on it and she's I guess it's like learn German kind of a thing, but he he just loved it. He was totally tickled by it. <laughs> it was awesome. That's cool. Did you guys just like hang out here a bit? Yeah, he, too? Was, he and... was here for a few hours, and uh, buddy of mine, Daniel Lamery, he's a good connection with him, and he brought him over for that. And yeah, we were just hanging out, talking about stuff. He was showing us some stuff on on the computer about Germany and just some different things. It was interesting. Yeah, that's so cool. Because, yeah. yeah, he came out here, and uh, he was here for, like, like almost a week, wasn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah, he loves Denver. Went up, he went up in it. the mountains, mm -hmm. ice fishing or something. Yeah. yeah, and he had been here, I think, two two other times previous, and he didn't have, like, a lot of time. So he, this time he was like, I want to take some time and just check it out. <laughs> no no objections on this end, yeah, I'm exactly. sure. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool, though. Uh, yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. So yeah, what uh, I mean, we kind of talked about with uh, you're wanting to expand the business, but any other plans for the business in the future? No, I would like to open a store, like another physical store. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily worried about a storefront as much as just having a public, uh, public venue for it. Yeah, know? yeah. And just I wouldn't even be opposed to just being like a warehouse spot, and you know, you can come by and dig if you want. And, that kind of thing just get it out of my house would be nice. yeah yeah I, I mean jesus it's, and it's just mainly the separation to separate my work and my home life would, mm -hmm. be, would be a cool thing yeah but it's almost there i think yeah. it's really hard right now with uh finding a spot because of all the weed operations like they're yeah just taking, warehouse spots they're taking everything and it's, it's they're taking all the retail and the yeah. warehouse spots. and it's so and they're driving the prices up too. yeah yeah so Look it's us. tricky it's just yeah. a matter of I know, finding the right thing. I love that. That's the complaint we have about I know, right? weed, weed in our lives. <laughs> it's not, oh, it's fucking illegal. Oh, it's 60 and 8. It's, no, it's... <laughs> now it's taking over We can't everything. fucking grow it anywhere. Right. I can't have... We're running out of places to throw parties. <laughs> it's all weed. 
right. Well, cool, man. Yeah, that's um, it's really awesome. It's cool to see the to see all your collection and shit. It's it's pretty pretty huge and it's a mast. It is a yeah. I mean, I I didn't realize you'd been doing it for that many years, and mm-hmm. to see you stick with it and it's pretty fucking inspiring to see you working for yourself and thanks, man. It's awesome. Along with uh, you know running your own thing, you. You're one of the main guys who run uh, the Underground Thursdays at the Milk Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did uh, we? I know we kind of talked about this with Kevin on Kevin's podcast, but for those who didn't listen or don't remember, what when did that get started? Then, when I moved out here, Kevin and I, Kevin already had a few connections, and he he started working his connections to get us like some bookings and stuff. Like, I give a lot of credit to Kevin to kind of break me in a little bit too, as far as getting me to play out here and stuff. Um, we actually, we played at the Denver Art Museum a few times, which was kind of a cool little mm-hmm. different thing. You know, it wasn't like people were like getting crazy or anything, but it was, you know, it's a neat place to play music and just kind of experience that. But then we started, uh, somehow, I can't remember how it all began, but we started with the Funky Buddha. We were doing that for Thursdays, uh, for a couple summers. We would stop, we stopped in the winter time, um, and then we picked it back up in the spring. Uh, we did that like two years uh, up on the rooftop on Thursdays. Um, and then we came over to the milk bar and we did milk on uh, Fridays for a little while. And then. Oh, that was you guys that mm-hmm. did that were doing the Fridays? Mm-hmm. And then you switched it to Thursdays? And then we were. We just got pitched because. Because um, they were doing their thing. The Denver Disco was doing the upstairs. And mm-hmm. it was kind of. They were doing house and stuff and we we're doing techno, but it was still a little bit, you know. It's not the same, but it's kind of similar, you know, yeah, to yeah. A, to an untrained ear. So it was kind similar of like enough wanted... that it would it would separate the crowd. And yeah, and it was it, just kind of yeah. one room would be packed if everyone was there, but mm-hmm. if it split up, it kind of just made it seem right. Yeah, yeah. So we just felt it felt like a better fit for us to just move to Thursday, and we wanted that other room. We we always liked the jazz bar room. I mean, it's just a really yeah. nice atmosphere in there. Catacombie. So we were like, hey, <laughs> if we go to Thursdays, we can take that room. And I'm like, yeah. So that all worked out, and I think we started that around January last year, so we're a little over a year into it. Now. Awesome. That's cool. Heck yeah. So is this your, I guess you did a Funky Buddha, but that's this your first kind of weekly experience? Or Here in like, Denver. Yeah, in Denver? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Had a residency a couple times in, in Indianapolis as well mm-hmm. with, uh, with a guy off the balance record pool. He actually moved here as well um, a little bit before me, Dennis Rosseth. Okay. But uh yeah, he was he was me we did a weekly with him out in Indy for a year, year and a half. How how has it evolved over the year since you've since um, you started it? Like it's it's got a nice uh nice little core. Um I feel like, you know, with some more input with some some more input from the club it would it could be something really really special, you know. Mm-hmm. Just some some aesthetic things and sound and different stuff like that um but you know it mm-hmm. is what it is you work with it and i think it's always a fun night we got a great little vibe there you know and absolutely I, I always have a good time there i go there every week i just don't i'm like not ever opposed to it so mm-hmm. it's cool yeah and you guys have added a couple other people to the to yeah the, to the main we brought uh, brian stevens on and uh alejandro alex m mm-hmm. recently so we're kind of, kind of beefing up the crew a little bit, and we got Roy Dudley as part of that as well. Oh, cool! So, and uh, yeah, tomorrow night 
Uh, you're having your birthday party there, then? Yeah, we're doing so a little it's... birthday thing and got all the residents playing. So all five of us are going to play some stuff. Could be uh, could be kind of cool and crazy. Yeah, so for we'll sure. See how it goes down. Yeah, my uh, my brothers or one's in town already, and then but the two other get in town for the ski trip. I'm hopefully gonna Sweet. bring them out. I think my little brother gets in at like midnight at the airport, but that still leaves us a little. You guys outside. taking off on Friday then? Yeah, Friday morning. Friday morning, and we're going straight to Winter Park, nice. and then staying in Vail for two nights. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I can't fucking wait. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been up like twice this fucking season, uh, yeah, I and I have a it. fucking pass. Like, oh wow! Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, it's it's really pathetic. So, oh man, that's uh, nice. I've been I've just been so fucking busy. I but, know how it is, yeah. But it's so worth it. I've, I'll, I'll have it paid off by the time. Yeah, if you go what five times or four yeah, times yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll be. Good. And my brother gets a. Uh, well, two of my brothers are in the military, so they get a military discount. So Vale's ticket only be seventy five, and I just checked the other day; it's one hundred and sixty for one day at Vale. Now it is. That's regular. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> One hundred and sixty dollars. Like, one fifteen, I think, when I moved here. Yeah, it was like one twenty when I like first moved here too. Dang. It's just that's insane. That's so much money for that's, one day. That's a whole month's insurance. Like, really? What are they? What are you paying for? <laughs> You're buying health insurance. Like for... nothing on earth. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're probably Crazy. still packing the mountain. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just, they're not hurting by any means. That's I'm sure. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Lastly, about the undergrounds, is any notable nights you've had, or yeah, or ones definitely like specific the, nights that stick out. Definitely, really <laughs> enjoyed the devious one night. That was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It's like I've I've heard a lot of good locals lately, and I've been impressed by that. And it's cool to put them on a you know on a stage where they get to play like a prime slot and kind of do their thing and. It's cool to hear them play that way, and a lot of them can really hold up to playing that slot, which yeah. is cool. You know, most of the time, best at best, you're going to open up for a headliner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of really good locals I've been impressed with lately, and I'd say that's what it's going to build on. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, it just has that such a community vibe to it. Or I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, there's a really good core like a, of us who are usually there almost every Thursday and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it doesn't even like matter who's playing, you know. It's yeah, just it's like just you know it's gonna be this the same cool group of friends on mm-hmm. a sound system hanging out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool, man. I love I love going there on Thursdays. Oh yeah, let's yeah let's go over some of your best and worst. What's uh, what's like the best? Yeah, what's the best and worst sh- like shows you've ever been into in your life? Hmm. Like or like concerts, musical experiences, anything you've seen? Yeah. Probably my worst gig I played was this. It's called the Spirit Festival in Ohio. It was just so, so poorly run. It was just like you got to the gate and nobody knew where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do. And then it was just like sound systems shutting off. And I don't know. It was just a big mess. Outdoor? And yeah, it was an outdoor kind of a hippie fest, a hippie electronic festival. And you could tell it was just total amateurs they had never done that before <laughs> yeah. but everybody was bright-eyed you know back then it was like oh well, i'm gonna throw a party and some people just shouldn't have thrown a party sure. <laughs> yeah that actually that reminds me of this terrible party well i had and i'm one of the best t- 
times in my life there, but it was one of the worst parties I've ever been to because it was like a, a five stage party on this land. It was like two hours north of Minneapolis, and they're advertising, oh, this fucking new land, virgin venues, yeah, right. it's gonna be crazy. And you get there, and it, it, yeah, it's like two hours north of Minneapolis, like middle of nowhere. And there's like, it's like an old campground. Like it used to be like, come pull off the interstate and camp, you know, mm-hmm. set up your camper, like one All of right. those places. Plug in. Yeah, a plug in campground. But it, it had not been that for a very long time. <laughs> and it w- kind of turned into a trailer park for a few years, I think. Mm. But that didn't last long. So it was like overgrown. There's like, Broken glass. There's like trailers in the middle of the like woods and just trails, vacant. just vacant. Like you know, like doors <laughs> off and like still furniture. It's part of the museum. Yeah, yeah. You like, you're, and you're like afraid you're gonna get tetanus walking around at this fucking party. And it ended up getting shut down the second night, but the first night, I, yeah, there was like the neighbors were freaking out about this party, and uh, there was a some fucking crazy ass hick dude like that lived just down the road. And he was in the he was in the woods at night, like shouting, and had like six shooters and a shotgun, and was shooting off his gun Whoa. and threatening if the music wasn't shut off that he was gonna come and Whoa. put it, put his twelve gauge to the speakers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like you hear gunshots and stuff, and it, like it was fucking crazy. But yeah, finally, the day we were leaving, like that's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. So it was like. It was really dirty, but I mean, everybody everybody made the best of the situation. We had a fucking really good time, even though uh, all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, on the last day, it was the most fucking weird thing. There was uh, so instead of like taking all the garbage out of the party, they just had this like big fucking like cat like skid loader thing, mm-hmm. and it took all of the all of the garbage and was just like in the middle of like where a dance floor used to be was just scraping it, it up and they lit it on fire <laughs> so he's like pushing this this it was like probably like a 15 foot stack of fucking what? garbage and they're just like piling that it up and it's and it's on fire wow. and then there was like some fucking local dude like after they stopped scraping it he was roasting marshmallows on oh, the fucking man. garbage pile and we were like we are getting the fuck out of here oh man <laughs> So that was yeah. Marshmallows coated with burnt plastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Midwest can have some. I mean, in the Midwest, it's what you. I mean, you have to take what you can get. They like do. with with especially outdoors. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the problem in Iowa right now. Is it's impossible to do all night parties because there's no fucking venues for it, and you mm-hmm. have to lie. You have to sweet talk what yeah, this is a cultural music. It's yeah, really it's a cultural music gathering yeah. and. You know, and or I mean, you're taking yeah, yeah, for something. Yeah, that's what's. Yeah, that was one of the main huge differences. Once I moved to Denver, was experiencing that where it's like you have like options for mm-hmm. venues to do all night parties. Mm-hmm. Like we're in Iowa, like that's, that's it's like one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's probably like as like as a DJ, the best best thing that happens as you get along is, I mean, you still deal with them, but like just shitty shitty booths where you can't hear anything mm-hmm. you have to like i mean i've never been one to really mix inside my headphones i just don't really feel like it detaches you from the whole the whole experience mm-hmm. and from the crowd yeah but yeah so i've always been like off a monitor and like if there's not a good monitor man it's it's always hell for me yeah. and that's all like grow like first starting out man that was like always the biggest things 
improper setups just annoying all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? but okay yeah so we talked about like one of the worst part of it what's like the best one you've uh been to been to or played? Well, yeah, both actually uh, i mean whichever one yeah, i don't know i'd say probably one of the most influential parties i went to was in new jersey went to whistle three I don't know if you ever heard of the whistle parties, but they throw them at the New Jersey Expo Center. So it was like, it was around 15,000 people inside this three-room venue. And it was, that was just like a, just blew my mind to see that, see, you know, that scale of a music event with this type of music and all Mm -hmm. that. Um, Is that the biggest one you've been to then? As far as electronic, um, I mean, aside from Detroit. Yeah. I've been to Detroit uh, nine times, but that's that's huge. But that's for an indoor party, yeah, that'd definitely be the biggest indoor yeah. I've ever been to. Cool. Um, did you drive out there? Yeah, we did. So had, a, had like a whole group of like us. twelve hours or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the best one you've ever uh, played at? I don't know. I guess size wise would probably be when I closed for Paul Oakenfold would be the biggest I played to. Uh, he actually played before me, and then I played. He played until one, and then I played from one to two. And where was that? That was in Indianapolis um, at this bar called Talbot Street. It's actually normally a gay bar, but they we would we did some shows with them. We did we actually did Oakenfold twice. Um, had Hernan Catania with him, and uh, mm. we did Boy George, which <laughs> which was interesting. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the story a while ago where he got busted and. Uh, he got busted with some coke or something. Yeah, and it was like the day after our show that <laughs> happened. In a, in Ohio. Yeah. Oh or no, that was Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the Oakenfold night. It was a Monday night too. Paul Oakenfold on a Monday night in Indianapolis, and it was like 950 people in a bar. Yeah. That's it's fucking... a it was a big it's a big place. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. what year would that have been then? That was 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, so yeah, along these lines, what's the best set you've ever seen, or sets, or you've ever seen people like or art or DJ any sets? Artist or DJ. Yeah, yeah, and it could be any music. Yeah, what's like the best? Yeah, probably one of my most influential all across the board would be Roger Waters on doing the Wall. You saw the Wall. Mm-hmm. I saw Dark Side of the Moon a few years ago. I saw that one too. You went to that yeah. one too. Was yeah. the Wall better? Uh, I mean, they're both amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just felt like the wall maybe had a little more of a message, but you know, mm-hmm. Dark Side's a little more psychedelic. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely, that was just blew my mind. That kind of production, yeah, went into the whole show, and, that capacity. Where'd you yeah. see that? Uh, that was in Columbus, Ohio. I saw it. And I guess yeah. What's what's one of the bit like artists you were like super excited to see, and then they just sucked. <laughs> Um, hmm. Probably. I don't know. Hard to say. Maybe Carl Cox. Someone I was like. I liked him a long time ago, but I've seen him. I saw him about maybe six years ago, and he was just total disappointment. Really? Where at? Or no, it was actually. It was like 2008 or 9. Okay. It was in WMC. I saw him play when I went to the Winter Music Conference. He played at a venue, or yeah, yeah he Ultra. played at uh, what was that big space? I think it might have been space, or it was the Crowbar. 
Is it Crowbar, Miami? I think there's... Yeah, I think it was Crowbar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really amazing venue. Like, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was just... Yeah, just really was not impressed. <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah, that's weird. Because, I, I mean, I've, I've seen him be, like... I've seen him many times. I think mm-hmm. probably like six or seven. Most yeah, of the time, most of the time, he just dominates. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only been like one time where I was like, yeah. Yeah, but, and other times I have liked him before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so, well, WMC, how? how I've been you, there twice. You've been twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went. Well, the first year I went, I and I talked about this on the Christopher James podcast because he's he lived in Miami and he's mm-hmm. a part. He does stuff for it. Uh, but yeah, I went. I went. First year I went, it was for Ultra. I mean, because I was I was really young. It, it would have been 2008, so we we actually probably would have been Maybe. down there the same year. Maybe, yeah. But it was my first. I just went down there on student loans, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just went to Ultra. Like I have to go to this festival. I have mm-hmm. to see all these trans artists that I'm in love with. Oh yeah. And then like then I found out about the W or Winter Music Conference, and the next two years I went like mm-hmm. and like the full experience and oh, yeah, so much fun. Yeah, I didn't go to Ultra either year. I never went to Ultra. Yeah, the fr- and and the year I went or the last year I went, your the WMC badge got you into Ultra. No, really. Which was like, and I got my badge in like you know several months before, so it was only like three hundred and fifty dollars, and that got <laughs> you the whole. Festival yeah. and Ultra, which Ultra's tickets were like two hundred on their own. Yeah, they don't do it anymore. Uh, once they had the split, aren't they kind of on? They're on split up now, right? They're yeah, yeah. Up. I mean, they they, they were they split still collaborate up. Collaborate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's not as like in use. They've kind of like evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, Ultra's kind of evolved to its own. I mean, it's like something like four hundred dollars for the festival, and it's two weekends. Like same right. like, It's just. It's completely different. Two consecutive yeah. weekends. Two consecutive. So what do you weekends. do in between the weekends? Well, that's when like. That's when the. the well, the I mean, WC. no, they. I mean, they do like like what Coachella does is they have, it's the same lineup but just two weekends oh, because gotcha. the venue that they have so it at people. can only hold like a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and yeah, they get way more than that. I guess that want to go. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, actually, one year when we yeah the last year I went to Ultra, uh, we we got our tickets. They're like hold on to these as tightly as possible because people are getting them jacked as they're running in. Cause it's sold out. Mm-hmm. And apparently like later that night, hundreds of people just like one, two, three, and just broke through the doors and there was chaos oh, and people wow. just running in just like so much wow. disrespect. But yeah, people just swiping tickets off the street and hmm. people offering like $300 for one ticket and shit. It's just wow. like <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> I'd say one of my, on speaking on sets though probably one of my most um unsuspecting surprising sets that i heard was lunar lodge uh three years ago was uh adam hart and tobias adam tm um mm. and tobias friend they like they played a six hour all analog uh set and it just was from when to out when? of my mind uh that was what's that it was from <laughs> From one till, from one to seven. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was I can't imagine just, playing a set like that. It was like just that. unbelievable. <laughs> all analog. It was all analog gear, and I mean, I feel like a lot of times with analog things get real loopy and kind of you know get stuck in kind of spots, but they just kept it changing, and it was just fresh, and it was amazing. I was just completely blown away by that. Yeah. But then I, but then I saw them again this past year up in Boulder, and. 
just just uh, Adam by himself, and he was promoting his album, his new album, but wasn't nearly as 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 uh, yeah. out of mind as that was. Yeah. That, Plus that, the venue. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lunar Lodge. Oh, I went the, this year for the first time. You went this year. So, I mean, first time. The venue is so conducive. To, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the whole experience, experience itself. and Music experience. Yeah. If you if you don't know what Lunar Lodge is, that sucks for you because <laughs> you should find out, talk to somebody who knows, and figure out a way to get there because it's probably one of the it's a special event. very most unique things you can do in mm-hmm. in America, really, with I don't. I mean, I can't I imagine that goes on a lot. In that places, kind of a venue but... is very, very special. Yeah. Definitely. Hell yeah. Well, all right, man. We can kind of wrap things up here and uh, get onto your mix here in a sec. What uh, what's what plans do you have for the rest of 2015, or any upcoming um, notable gigs, or? Oh, working towards getting the store maybe into a spot. Um, got a. Do you know what part of town you'd like to have it in? Really just forever. doesn't matter too much yeah yeah and plus like once i if i had a store i could all this stuff out of here i wouldn't necessarily have to live in this house anymore so i could move to wherever yeah you know so yeah i'm kind of open if yeah if anybody out there knows of a spot just and i would even be down to having a spot that like i've thought about doing putting the record store on wheels so that it could be a record store and then like a food it could, truck, it but could a be a, store. no, it could be a venue other times. Oh. So it could just roll everything out of there, and, yeah, or roll it all into one corner, and and then have a venue. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of that would be like my grand idea would have like a diverse place that I could do that too. Yeah, yeah. Just like nothing major, you know, like an after hours kind of spot. Yeah, yeah. So totally. But uh, community coming up. Um, I'm gonna do my my pack Samo there. I'm gonna do like an ambient set for them. Oh really? Communique. That should be cool. I'm sad. I'm not gonna be a communique this year. Oh, you're year. not gonna make it. Yeah. I. I mean, be out of town. That's or? how I moved out here. Actually, is uh, I was already considering moving out here, and uh, I help out with a, a music festival in Iowa City mm-hmm. called Mission Creek Festival every year. This will be my fifth year doing it. It's beginning of March or end of March, beginning of April, and uh, yeah, three would have been. Yeah, three three years ago, I did an artist. We did an artist swap. Mm-hmm. I brought David Last out mm-hmm. and uh, Rob Fitzgerald, who also helps out with Community. Mm-hmm. And then they brought me and my best friend Jimmy out. Nice. And I was already considering moving out here. And after meeting everyone and just, yeah. I was just like Solidified sold. Yeah. <laughs> Where moving. did they have you play at? I don't. Uh, I played at the the art, the Contemporary Art Museum. Oh, okay. It it was like one of the daytime like. Uh-huh. where people hung out like it was it was more of like a hangout thing like cool. where you came and got your badges and nice helped work on art pieces like group art pieces and stuff like that so but yeah that's i'm sad i'm not gonna be there I'm going back for uh my girlfriend's uh, stepbrother's wedding so mm-hmm. <clears throat> we have to be back there for that i'm actually djing that so oh, nice. <laughs> i'm actually doing an artist swap uh i'm gonna be playing in st louis uh the first week of april Oh really? Yeah, and then there's a guy that's doing. He does a Saturday monthly or Friday first Fridays monthly out there. Who is? Ah, uh, what's the party called? Um, because I mean I know a lot of the people in St. Louis. Is it System or no? Fuck. It's um the Systems in Minneapolis. My friends, I'm, I just had Tony. Yeah, a guy named Tony. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, gonna do a swap with him. That should be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's been doing this for a little while and have him. St. Out. Louis is a good. Have you been mm-hmm. there? Have you played? Uh, there I haven't played St. Louis before, but I have some friends from there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of good party mm-hmm. people there. Good music. Yeah, too. it's a good scene. There's a lot of producers come out of St. Louis as well. Mm-hmm. Luke Hansen, that guy's fucking boy genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he comes out of St. Louis. Nice. Louis fuck. Uh. Cool, yeah, man. Well, yeah, we can wrap this up and get this mix on. So, what uh, what can we expect from this mix, or any notable artists, or um, any idea what you're going to be doing with it? Kind of going to be on the like maybe the melodic side of techno, a little deeper. Um, nothing. I don't think I'm going to get too heavy or anything, but definitely a little bit psychedelic and but funky, I guess. I don't know if any notable artists, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's been so many like different artists been coming around. Just it's I can't say one artist like all the time. Yeah, or... I mean, I, I imagine in your lifestyle, yeah, it's just it's a constant <laughs> flow of names. So like, a lot of shit, hard yeah. to keep up. <laughs> so if people want to find you online, where can they uh, go about doing that? Uh, if you want to listen to my music, you can go to my SoundCloud. It's PaxAmo for it's uh, SoundCloud forward slash p a x hyphen a m o. Right on. And if uh, people want to shop at your store, where can they do that? Uh, there's lovevinylrecords.com, my website, and then also sell on Discogs with seller evolvingrecords.com name, and then on eBay is Love Vinyl Records. But all right, man. Well, let's get this mix on. And uh, thanks again for being a guest on yeah, the podcast. Me, and sure. super cool to see your place and everything. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get Seth Nichols here on. The ones and twos. Here you go, guys.
And that'll about wrap it up for this week's episode, guys. Big thanks to Seth once again for being this week's guest and for the solid mix. You can catch him playing live at Milk Bar pretty regularly for his Thursday weekly event, The Underground. Also, keep an eye out this week for my new studio mix release entitled Under the Influence of Sobriety. Hope you all have had a good February and an even better March to come. See you next time.